What's going on, family? Pastor Sergio Chavez reporting live and direct to you and yours. And listen, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to My Hope Center podcast, your place for motivation, hope, and empowerment. You know, people live their lives and make daily decisions based on their perceptions. Someone say perceptions. Those perceptions become their viewpoints and they may or may not be accurate. <laughs> they may or may not be true. Remember when you were a child and you would be in your car, maybe driving late at, at night with your family, you'd be in the back seat and you look out and then the, the, the moon was, was brilliant and bright at night and you thought that the moon was following you. You remember that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or you remember when you were a child, some of y'all still believe this, but you'll see a beautiful rainbow and you're like, I can catch up to the end of it. Perception, perception, perception. Anger, fear, and even being in love. I got some people in love up in here. It can also affect our perceptions of people and or events. The word perception comes from the Latin percipio and it involves interpretation of sensory information. So we receive information through our sight, our hearing, our taste, our smell, uh, and our touch. But then that information has to be interpreted and processed and that's what forms our perception. In other words, our interpretation or understanding of, this, of these pieces of information, what it does is that it's greatly influenced by many factors, including our our family, including our experiences, including our cultures, and even our moods. Let me let me slow walk this thing. I know y'all looking like, where's Pastor going? I'm going somewhere. Uh, they had a perception of the Messiah over 2,000 years ago. Many in the Jewish world anticipated the coming of a savior because they believed in the Torah, the Old Testament, and the first five books, the Pentateuch in the Old Testament, that the coming savior would restore the kingdom of Israel. And for several generations, they had suffered under the oppressive rule of Roman government. I said, I'm gonna take the slow walk today. And their expectation was based on a number of prophecies in the Old Testament. For instance, in the book of Isaiah, it says, for unto us, a child is born unto us, a son is given the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace some recognized him when he showed up on the scene over there in John chapter 1 but many didn't because of perception see they were awaiting a king to come in a chariot and with a sword but what they didn't know that he wasn't here to build a physical man kingdom he came to bring a spiritual kingdom the kingdom of God so he they, 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 they forgot that there are also two passages in the Old Testament that it says that he will first come as a humble servant so they were awaiting a king but but our king was born in a manger uh, they forgot over there that uh, that he would be born from a virgin, as it says in the book of Isaiah, chapter seven, verse fourteen. So how they're saying, hold up, came from what seemed to be fornication, because how is Mary pregnant? Nobody was and nobody was married to her, and 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 this coming savior is now born in a manger, and but he, he's coming by meager and humble beginnings. How is it possible that he is the savior? Per perception uh, and, and, and as a confirmation uh, that, that he in fact was the savior but people did not perceive it he said why do you not understand my speech 
You're, you're not able to grasp my word. And as a result of this, a major population of the Jewish community is still waiting for the coming of a Messiah. The Bible says in John chapter 1, he came to his own and his own didn't receive him. So they were looking at the Savior. They were in the presence of the Messiah, but because of perception they could not they could not catch it and so here it is so the Jewish folks had a perception then the Greek folks had a perception because they say how can a savior being a God be killed I'm going somewhere because their gods were mystical they were eternal and everlasting the Greek gods so how was it that in the Jewish community they could not perceive it and in the Greek they were saying how in the world can we worship a God that was killed and in fact the story goes that he was killed resurrected and by his death we're supposed to be better so they said no way it can't be possible so their misperception became an obstacle to the truth Pastor, why in the world are you teaching us this today? I'm so glad that I asked because it appears that God is not moving in the times that we are living in. It appears that God is not speaking. It appears that God is not with us and is for us. But there is a difference between perception and then there is reality. It may appear that our God is not moving. I wish oh, that I had a church. It appears that he's not working. It appears that he is not moving. But I came with news today. I want to let somebody know that you don't have to live with a misperception our God is still moving our God is still speaking our God is still at work our God is the God of the mountain and he is the God of the valley our God is the God that is with us when we are up as well as when we are down he is God when we have increased and he is God when we are on empty I'm feeling this thing. I feel my help coming. I came to preach in my living room today. He's the God when we have plenty. And he's the God when we're on empty. The reality is, is that he has, ah, he has not forsaken you. I know what it appears like. You ever seen in your vehicle, in your mirror there on the side? What do you call those mirrors? I the side mirrors, the side, thank you so much. God is using my team here, so they're brilliant here. Uh, far brighter than their pastor, right? The side mirrors. And if you notice, they'll have a little sign on the mirror. It says, objects may appear closer than what they really are. Perception is one thing, but the reality is another it may seem that my God is far from me it may seem that he is not close to the brokenhearted it may seem that he is not with us in these dark and turbulent times that we are living but oh I came with good news for the Hope Center family it may appear that way but the reality is our God has not changed We are in a dilemma, people of God. 
Because in the same way that ancient Jewish people and ancient Greeks had a misperception, there is a misperception in the modern church. The misperception in the modern church is that for centuries, people have been abused, mistreated, ostracized, rejected, discriminated against in the name of quote-unquote Christianity. And there, and there have been a population that in the name of the Lord have perpetuated hate rhetoric and hateful actions with a Bible right next to them. So it appears that that is the sum total of who believers are. And we are in a dilemma now in the days that we are living in. But I am crying and praying for a generation and I believe that that generation is on the chat right now. Let me know if you're a part of that generation. There is a generation of people that know the truth of the gospel about who our God is, his nature and his character. And although that has been the misperception, we are here to be a light of truth for the world. That although those ideas, customs, superstitions, erroneous teachings have been passed down from generation to generation. Do you know, no topic has been more full of conflict and inconsistent and confusing as religion. No book's content have, have been more distorted than those of, of the Bible. And we see in scripture how God warns us and comes against misguided teaching or teachings of man in order to substitute the true word of God. But today I am making a call, not to people who simply call themselves Christians or appear to be Christians, but that would be true disciples. And there is a call in this hour for us to be true disciples. There is a call in this hour in the midst of hurting times for the church to rise up, to show the world, no, we, this is the true church. I know what the appearance has been. I know the lies that's been spread. I know the hurt that's been perpetuated, but we are here to stand against the evil and the wrong that's been done. And in the same way, we're calling for transformation and reformation in society. We're starting in the church. there is a call for us to be true and real authentic genuine disciples now I want to share with you just three things because I don't have too much time I know you're getting ready for your for your Father's Day brunch and or dinner I, I understand you're getting ready for that so I just want to share three things to break down what is what is a true disciple not just somebody who claims Christianity there's a lot of people that claim it but what is a true disciple of Jesus look like I want to let you know that the first thing that a true disciple looks like the, the, the number one point that I have is that a true disciple understands first is first or first things first you understand first things first in other words a true disciple understands a thing called priority in other words a true disciple knows to put Jesus before all things look at what mark chapter 8 now let me let me break this thing down in mark chapter 8 verse 34 through 38 the Bible says then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said whoever wants to be my what my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me for whoever wants to save their life will lose it 
See, everybody wants to be a Christian until it gets biblical. <laughs> everybody wants to claim Christianity until we really start understanding what a real disciple is. Here it is. Take up their cross. Uh, oh, oh, so that means uh, defending and, and standing up for folks, even when it's inconvenient. Okay, let me, let me just keep going. Take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. What is it good for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with holy angels. So when you are a true disciple, you understand priority. You understand that first comes first, first things first. In other words, you move away from self-centeredness and you move into Christ-centeredness. What does Christ-centeredness looks like? It looks like His purpose over my plans. It looks like His presence over popularity. <laughs> it means His power over material possessions. There is a call for true disciples to place him first. And in this season, I am praying for a generation that will say, as a true disciple, my God comes first. I understand I have other responsibilities. I have to live this life. I want to live a prosperous life. But, but before all of that, I got to place him first. I'm a father and I have to take care of my children. But I, I want to place God first so that he can help me to become the father that he's called me to be. I'm a husband and it's difficult. But I need to go to him first so he can guide me to be the husband that I need to be. I'm a leader. I'm a pastor. I'm a lay member. I'm a part of the church. But I need to place him first. For far too long, we've place everything before our God and we'll, we'll claim Christianity but we'll, we'll pick and choose when we want him first we'll look at it I know I know I know I know I'm going there I know I'm going there I love you I'm going there is it all right if I keep teaching this thing we pick and choose like this thing is a fast food uh, drive-through let me get uh, one, one Jesus with a side of my will. Uh, let me get a, another side of my pleasure. Uh, so then let me see if I can substitute them from time to time. But God is calling a church that will place him first. Before my will, before my pleasure, before my desire, before what I want. God, what is it that you want? And when we move from self-centeredness to Christ-centeredness, then we will see that we, we are submitting ourselves to become true disciples. The second thing I want to share to you is that a true disciple understands followership. I know I just made up a term. So often we talk about leadership, but we don't talk enough about followership. Look at what the scripture says in John chapter 8. I hope that this is blessing somebody. I don't know if I'm talking to myself, but uh, John chapter 8 verse 31 and 32 says it this way. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The meaning of disciple, in case you did not know, it comes from a Greek 
term and I'm gonna I'm say it is Koine Greek so I don't know if this is the correct pronunciation of those who study Greek you know that uh, we're encouraged not to actually say it but but I just throw it out there it's a term called methetes now the word methetes in the Greek means to be a pupil it means to be an apprentice it means one who sits and studies and labors after the teachings of their instructor so here it is Jesus is saying if you hold to my teaching you are really my disciple so here it is a true disciple never places his knowledge wisdom and understanding above their teachers because they are an apprentice they are an instructor uh, excuse me they are a pupil to the instructor I remember I was an apprentice to to my uncle who, who a painter and and I often share this story and let's just say I didn't last long I was an apprentice to a painter in a painting company for a, for, for a good month it was a solid month brother Don it was a solid month I tried my best but after a month I, I just I just hung up my painter coat and I said you know what what else can I do because here's the thing when you are an apprentice you you get your hands dirty when you are an apprentice as the teacher says that's what you do wherever he goes that's where you go and so the thing is God is calling us to understand what is the teachings of Jesus what are his teachings and whatever his teachings are when you embrace them when you follow them when you adhere to them when you submit to the teachings then he says you are truly my disciples can I just throw this out there spiritual maturity is not measure by how high you jump in praise or how much you lift your hands in worship or whether you have a Bible verse in your in your IG profile or bio true spiritual maturity is measured by how straight you walk in obedience and that you live out the verse that you put in your IG profile and bio so I know we place a lot of emphasis on leadership but God is calling a church that also understands followership, that, that knows what it means to follow the Lord Jesus. Lord, wherever, uh, I'm feeling this thing, wherever you want me to go, I will go. Wherever you send me, I will be there. Not my will, but thy will be done. The third thing I wanna share is that a true disciple understands not only followership, but fellowship in other words love for other disciples he said this in the book of John chapter 13 verse 34 and 35 scripture says a new command I give to you <laughs> love one another as I have loved you so you 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 are encouraged to love uh, I suggest that you love um, it's okay if you do or it's okay if you don't if they don't look like you if they don't talk like you if they don't if they're out of your socioeconomic status if they have a different preference even in sexuality uh oh No, he says, you must love one another. Ah. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are what? 
my disciples if you love one another. If you look all throughout the New Testament, all throughout the New Testament, we hear a constant, build one another, uplift one another, bear each other's burdens. There is a call in the New Testament, do nothing out of selfish ambition, but rather in humility, value others above yourselves. The scripture says, don't look into your own interests, but look out for the interests of others. These verses show us that with fellowship, with love, it's not about feelings. Love, can I help somebody? Love is not an emotion. Love is a responsibility. Love is something that we give, whether we feel it or not. And love, can I throw this out there, is not just lip service. Love has action attached to it. So when we talk about loving as disciples, we have to be involved in the process of loving one another. Not just shouting it out on social media, but being involved, hearing and empathizing before criticizing. When you love, you empathize before you criticize. When you love, you build and you don't tear down. When you love, you serve and not only seek to be served. Love has action attached to it. In order for me to love, I've got to understand. Because I can have a perception of somebody, but I've got to listen. I've got to hear your story in order for me to truly love. I've got to empathize. I may have not been in your shoes, but because I'm a disciple and I'm called to love, I want to hear your story. That's true love. And the next thing I said I was going to do three, but if it, is it all right if I just throw another one out there? A true disciple understands fruitfulness. Now let me know on the chat if this is helping you or if this is blessing you. I don't know if folks have left me by myself, but just let me know on Facebook. Come on, YouTube, holla at your boy. Let me know if you're still with me. Fruitfulness. Look at what the Bible says in John chapter 5. Um, excuse me, John chapter 15, verse 5 through 8. It says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Anybody ever had that testimony? Keep it real. As soon as you started drawing away from the presence of the Lord, you just started feeling dry and empty. Because, because we feel life when we are, when we are, we are drawing and abiding in him. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Here it is, showing yourselves to be my disciples. My disciples. We often say, God knows my heart, and that is true, but I don't know your heart. I only know the fruit that you produce. 
The scripture says it this way, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. So I understand when you say God knows your heart is true, but the way that we demonstrate to the world that we are truly disciples of Jesus is that we bear spiritual fruit. So God is calling us to be true disciples that will bear spiritual fruit. But here's what I need you to catch. We don't produce our own fruit. We produce fruit when we simply abide in him. When we abide in him, when we follow his ways, when we are connected with one another in fellowship, when we love one another, hey, that's when we bear much fruit. So God is calling us to understand priorities first things first, followership, fellowship, and also fruitfulness. You know, the physical heart of a person is the very center of a person's life. When we talk about the physical heart, it's the very center of someone's life. It's the only, watch this, the only organ when it fails, you're dead immediately. Meaning as in, you can have other organs shut down and you could potentially live, but once your heart stops, you die immediately. So in the same way that the heart is the chief organ to the body, the spiritual heart of a believer is what gives life. And when we talk about the heart of the matter at hand, what we are seeing now, we need to truly understand the true heart of the matter and understand for so long we have been suffering from heart failure. And we can't be effective in reaching the world because can I tell you, let me just throw this bonus, another point of a true disciple is you make other disciples through evangelism and your witness and your testimony. But we cannot witness to a world when we're suffering from heart failure. We cannot reach out with compassion, with empathy, with love, with salvation, with the power of God until we get our heart right. So God is calling the church to rise up in this hour. I feel a prophetic anointing in this hour because I do believe that even as I'm sharing this word, there is some ah, there is somebody watching me. You and you're saying to yourself that you're speaking to me, Pastor. I've been on the sidelines for far too long. I've been I've been just claiming Christianity, but I haven't truly been a disciple. You're saying, you know what? I've been picking and choosing when I wanted to serve the Lord, but I feel a prophetic utterance I feel a charge coming over somebody and I want to let you know right there where you are my God is getting ready to lift you up for such a time as this and you will go from simply claiming Christianity to being a true disciple that will impact that will change lives that will go out into the world and be a witness in Jerusalem in Judea in Samaria and until the ends of the earth God God is calling us to be the church and to rise up with the true heart of God and to rise up in his name to rise up after his heartbeat to rise up and fulfill his purpose and his will it's time for us to do a heart check 
time to check our hearts. Because it's easy to just claim something. You know, I had a, I had a short time. I did a, a small stint in the streets. It was about one year. After that year, I said, yeah, I'm not about this life. <laughs> One thing that I realized because I was hanging with a crew, one thing that I realized that when it was time to party, everybody claimed the crew. But when it came time to throw down and we were in trouble, you start looking around and the ones that claimed weren't there. But before that, they were telling me they were never scared. But when I looked around, I found that they were never there. Can I tell somebody, uh, I feel his glory, I feel my help coming on. I took off my jacket last week. I'm feeling this thing. I'm going to preach this thing till I have no strength. Because God is calling a generation that will not simply claim the gospel, but we will live this thing out. We are, we are the generation that will be the ones to see the manifestation of revival. Because we will live the true word of God. And we will go out to where others will won't go and love where others won't love and be there for the people that others are not there for. We will be that church. It's time for us to be the church and to check our hearts. This is the heart of the matter. Once again, thanks so much for tuning into today's message. I pray that it was a blessing to you. I'm so glad that you were able to hear today's message, but can I tell you there's nothing like the live experience. Would you join us on a Sunday afternoon at 1.30? We meet at Greenbelt Middle, 6301 Breezewood Drive in Greenbelt, Maryland. And so I want you to be there. I want you to get connected. You can find out more information on our social media at My Hope Center on every platform. And also, you can check out more information at myhopecenter.org. I hope to see you soon. So until until then, peace, love, and God bless.